Welcome to the Poetry Bath with me, Sean Thomas. This is the second part of my interview with Claire Best, author of eight pamphlets and collections, and also a prose memoir, The Missing List, which was a finalist in the Mislexia Memoir Competition in 2014-15. Now, uh, Claire, in this part of the interview, reads uh, some of her poems about home, about uh, what it means to put down roots, and we talk about that subject in some detail. Also some haunting and uh, and also again wateriness and relationships. So yes, please do sit back, enjoy some more of Claire's wonderful poetry. Welcome back to the Poetry Bath. Um, in the in the last episode, uh, you read us a lot of of, of uh, water based poems, and we talked about that. Um, and and so perhaps now should we move on to on to another another matter, <laughs> please. Well, I was going to. I was thinking about a relationship. Well, water does come in. I'm afraid it comes into almost everything in my work, in one way or another. Um, but I thought it would be interesting to read um, a few love poems. Brilliant. And this one is called Arrival. It's, it's pretty much self-explanatory, really. Arrival. Dark rain falling on grey and no cabs near Grand Central Station. We stop by a neon diner to look at the map which melts as we stand in the splash at the corner of East 38th and Park and kiss like the first time. Tomorrow, perhaps, we'll remember the pilot's jokes on the turbulent flight, that mad bus driver cursing the freeway from JFK. But for now, for once, no one else exists, no other place, just you, and me in Manhattan, our hearts in shock, the dark rain flooding the street. Oh, that's beautiful. That no one else exists. After all that tumult, this pause that is this pause to love, Yes, and uh, that very exciting thing of being in a city that you don't know and want to know with the person you love. It's such a, an incredible feeling, I think, the, the sense of exploration. You have, there's so much uh, of, of relationships in your work again. Um, and of course, it's very watery. It's such a watery theme uh, to write about, about um, other people and, and love and the people we love. Yeah. So, how does how did that? When were you aware of that? Water and love. Yeah. Or, or yes, that you, you that that you also yes, water and love. <laughs> water and love. Um, well, I think it may be something to do with. <laughs> perhaps it it's also to do with 
my beloved Philip is a, a Scorpio and I'm a Cancer. So, you know, we're water signs. That that's that's a good start, isn't it? Um I suppose it's also some you know, in a, as a metaphor in my mind, it's about the flow that that love is. That love is about give and take and ebb and flow and letting things happen and and understanding them i guess you know to me that's that's a lot of it could you do you have another poem that speaks to that please claire let's think this is a poem that relates to another house. And I do also realise I write about houses a lot. And I think houses and the ways that places contain or express love and, and relationship. Um, when I first met Philip, he was living in an extraordinary house that hadn't really changed much for hundreds of years. It was a, it was a small and ancient cottage in Hampshire that had been in his mother's family for, for ages. And there was no central heating. There was very little plumbing. The, the chimney was still just an open, well, it was almost still an open hole in the roof. It was, it had been brick lined, but the, you know, it was, it was that basic. And, and that was the house where we fell in love. And we spent our, our first sort of hours in each other's company in that house. And it, it was course, you know, remained a very special place for us both. And eventually it, it had to be sold. But um, several times after we fell in love there, we used to go back because it stayed in the family for a while. And then Philip's parents lived there up to the point where they died. So again, it had these layers of, of special relationship. And one of the times that we went back, I felt very much the the passing of that era and I soon after I wrote this poem called At the Old House There's pear blossom drifting like ash a broader shadow where the yew trees spread the sound of a train running through April same sound we used to dream to and there's you telling me the bathroom has a shower now in place of the narrow enamel bath, the one we said was long enough to hold you six foot four that morning 20 years ago. The bath so hot I went in next, lay an hour, completely sure. Our baths outside, propped beneath the eaves, rain from the roof, has filled it to the brim. I love that. I, I, one of the things that struck me when you were introducing that poem, but also in the poem itself, was this idea of layers, and and how um, how it spoke then to the to the first poem that you read, the, the uh, uh, and the, the spring and the idea of of, and I was just thinking about about the earth and and how time, of course, adds layers to the earth. Um, 
and oh it's wonderful and 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 then of course and then of course you you read the line a train running through april which isn't just a train running through the month of april but it's also a train running through time isn't it it's and that was one of the things i loved most about that house is that is that you could you could sit in the garden or lie in bed and hear these trains and they were just far enough away that they had that romantic appeal that you know you wonder where they were going and uh, of course you knew rationally exactly where they were but but it was a it, it it was a beautiful aspect of the place it sounds incredible it sounds like an incredible place to fall in love yes <laughs> and i'm also thinking about bachelor and and the idea of the 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 house as this nurturing womb as well um that that we can we can we return to a house in our memories um, but also that the house nurtures us and uh, and and just thinking about your your the, the fact that you and philip fell in love there and how your your love was nurtured by this place i love the the and which kind of talks as well to that to the lines about about the bar and, yes uh, yeah wonderful absolutely wonderful um and i need to ask you a question rather than talking <laughs> and just going wow um, so, so perhaps so can you say what were you aware of when you were writing the poem i think i was first first and foremost i was aware of uh of that sense of change in a place that um that feels so solid and yet and yet the change is, is so necessary and that it's about how we have to learn to live with that, I suppose. And and once I'm fond of a place, I I find it very, very difficult to to leave it or to move from it. So writing it also helps me to do that. I felt it was I felt it was really interesting. I mean what made me write the poem was seeing the bath outside. I mean that was just such an impact because it, it was lying that bath that I had realized this was going to be the person I spent my life with you know it was like so huge and but there was the bath outside filled with rainwater and that just it was just such a beautiful metaphor for what has to happen and you know the progress and the change and the yeah so it all came from that really and I have a yeah, I, I do have this love of places. And as I say, they they just get under my skin completely. And and I often think when I'm traveling on a train, for instance, and you, you, you know, you look out of the train and you see these lights, especially after dark or when it's dusk, and you see these dwellings, sometimes a single dwelling miles from anywhere or a little group of them. And you think of these, or I think of these extraordinary concentrations of human life and human emotion in these places you know just a few square feet and all the things that happen there in that one place even if the house then goes or is knocked down it's it always seems extraordinary to me to think of that and we did live in a haunted house in lewis as well oh wow mm. 
Well, let me ask you about that in a in a in in just one second. Park that thought, but it just it just strikes me what you were saying that that so absolutely. And I think this is a personal revelation. I think that one of the great sadnesses of for me of mortality is that is that we can't know other people entirely. There isn't time to know other people entirely. Um, and whether that that means therefore that I want to haunt people it probably does so tell me about your haunted house well we, yes we we only knew that it was haunted well it, it wasn't so much haunted there was a poltergeist the very definite poltergeist who moved things around classic poltergeist activity uh things would disappear particularly things like keys bright, shiny things, keys, glasses. Um, in fact, a lot of the things that you would normally lose. But we knew that they weren't lost because they would come back, often in a different place and often quite a lot, long time later. Um, and uh, to begin with, I felt that, you know, this was, I mean, as you do, I think, you. It's a little bit worrying. You're not quite sure what's going on. And particularly if you have a child or children around, you know, you wonder if it's affecting them and so on. But um, several people had different experiences of this uh, presence. And, and in the end, we, we did various, uh, not tests, but, you know, I did speak to people who kind of know more about how presences stay in houses and why and how they move and this kind of thing and we did sort of work out that the spirit of this was a a young girl and um, and because the poltergeist activities were quite playful this fitted and often the activity in the house would increase if there were lots of children there or young people but it it was quite it was quite um an odd it, and quite an odd thing <laughs> How long did you live there? 17 years. And and did you did you speak did you speak to her? I sometimes did um because I was advised that if that there were times when she became so active that it was quite disruptive. And for instance, you know, you would leave a, a dog in a particular room in the house and then shut the door. I'd come back and find the dog in a completely different part of the house, sitting watching television that had come on on its own. Um, <laughs> so when there were moments like that, I did sometimes sort of speak to her and say, look, you know, do you think you could just, um, you know, relax, chill? <laughs> leave us alone for a bit <laughs> um, but I always felt it was important to have a kind of relationship in my mind with I mean this all sounds a bit spooky and weird but I did uh, I did feel that it was uh, it was part of my duty living there or our duty in a way living there to accommodate her in some way because she was obviously needing to be there there was some energy that hadn't been able to leave this place and and so that was how we played it we we lived around her and you know she wasn't malign it it was always very clear that she was playful so 
it makes me think about 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 what you were saying about becoming attached to places as well and and then and then whether we well perhaps perhaps writing is a kind of haunting yeah i i think that's probably a fair way of looking at it um i yeah, that house is a house i dream about a lot um still and and in fact there's a poem in in beyond the gate which is based on a dream um that took me back there and it's not the poem is not haunted but I think you're right I think I'm the one doing the haunting here once my home a loud splinter crack as hinges spring free of the frame and the front door falls away from me I step inside onto years of gnarled twisted root work long root fingers becoming longer before my eyes reaching towards the ancient core of the house, away from light angling through windows. I clamber over fibrous root systems, rough and smooth. Roots seek darkness. They make what they seek. The old house has become a spongy bed of compost. A few seedlings erupt from this friable soil twigs with leaf buds at their tips. Lying down, my ear to one of the fattest roots, I know a pale, whispered calm, like distant low singing formed of vowel sounds. The stairwell is a tangle of feeder roots around familiar painted banisters. I know every scrape and scratch. Now I climb up to find what has sent roots down. The smooth trunk of a giant beech tree rises into branches, twigs, silky leaves. At the top, everything is space, air. Love the way that you brought us out of the top of the tree into air in that final line. Um, there was so much movement, and I also I think you're absolutely right. It feel it absolutely felt as though the tree was you, that you even though you were the one listening to the tree and and aware of the tree, but it was but your your reaching its reaching roots were your were you reaching. Um, wonderful, wonderful poem, and so full of uh, again nature spirit, going back to this to Jack and. Uh, and your own persona, that, that kind of slightly folkloric persona. It's wonderful, gorgeous. And also that, that was the house where I became a writer. I mean, where I started to write. So it had this feeling of me having grown something there that I then became or took with me. But you know, it's it's suddenly slightly worrying me now that that when we writers die, uh, especially uh, poets who have spent and, and other artists who have spent so much time rooted and writing about the places that we love, are we actually going? Is that what actually all ghosts are? <laughs> poets hanging around. <laughs> it probably is. Yes. <laughs> but it is true. We do we do seem to write ourselves into into the places that we love. Yes. 
we have five more minutes, Claire. So whatever you would like to give us next. Okay, I think I will have to give you another love poem, uh, which by strange coincidence is also watery. Um, and then maybe there'll be space for one more after that. Probably, yeah. yeah. So this one is, it's me really, as a, as a writer, purloining Philip's memory, but with his permission, in two parts for Philip. In this moment, he goes back to that first garden outside tap. Something about it difficult to turn. Sun on his face. No one saying no. Warm grey metal. Cold water hissing. Red bucket under, overflowing. When he tells me of the sudden remembrance caused by hearing water rush from tap into watering can, I want to have been there, standing quietly beside the shy small boy, so we could have known long ago this sweet company. Which again goes back to what we were talking about and, and a desire to, to know what it's like to be someone else. And, and that and that extraordinary feeling that when you've been with someone for a long time, that you you do, you you think you've been with them forever. And that, and there's this whole life that they've had that you haven't so that, that kind of wish to to be there, even even if it's just in in realising or trying to share their own memories, yes. And that you become one animal. Yeah, well. yeah. So you kind of were there. Yes, yes. You, 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 there's a fusion, isn't there? Yes, and I, and I suppose, again, this is, it's wateriness as well, isn't it? Because water shows us that there actually isn't much, there isn't anything between us. That we're, well, it's that dissolving quality, isn't it? That, that you know, yes, it, it dissolves things, it, it dilutes things, it flows around things. Yes, it's always there in a way as a... Well, I was going to finish with one more house poem, actually, too. But it's one that's very rooted in in this part of the world where, yeah, I only moved here five and a half years ago. And this is Sussex, uh, Suffolk. But exactly. And so it was all kind of unmapped in my head when we arrived. And Philip had a significant birthday. So I, I gave him a map, a very large map. Uh, which dated from 1825. And for quite a while, this map, which is now on the wall, was the way that we found our way around this around this area, because it hasn't actually changed that much. Um, so this poem is called Using Greenwood's Large-Scale Map of the County of Suffolk, 1825, to find my friend's house. Slow through rain and murk, down school lane, past the gate to Captain's Wood, left on Ferry Road, left again by Red House Farm, and then a mile of Roman Road and Sandy Track. Back 200 years along dotted lines, between black ditches, over wooden bridges, to the edge of the eastern reaches 
fields dissolve, the settle of shingle almost audible. Somewhere close, an invisible river lags its silty way through marsh and curlew country. He calls it his lonely house, this place at the land's precarious rim. I hear him slide the bolt of the old oak door, see him standing tall in a shutter of light. Ah, wonderful. I love the, the settle of shingle. So much, there was so much sound again, so much music in that piece. Um, and so wonderful that again, going back through layers that, that, that the map, that by using that map, that you're, you too were, were taking off the layer of, of contemporary life, but it was still the same underneath. I think it's a part of the world here in East Suffolk where you're very aware of this shiftingness too. And so the, the settle of shingle is, is a sound, you know, it really is on all the beaches along all the coasts here. And um, when you look at the shapes, the changing shapes, I were back to this thing of, you know, the sea being in charge and it's the sea move things around and, uh, and makes things new and, and constantly alters the landscape. Well, we have run out of time. Claire Best, it has been an absolute joy to spend time with you today. Thank you so very much for joining me in the Poetry Bar. It's been a very deep joy for me as well, Sean, and, and so pleasurable. Thank you very much. <laughs> listening to the poetry bath with me sean thomas and my guest claire best our theme tune was composed and performed by nigel horn and do tune in next time for some more poetry and conversation thanks for listening bye <laughs>